This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. I came prepared to preach something different. When I got up this morning early and I began to go over my notes for the message that I had uh, scheduled for today, I'd actually sent my PowerPoint notes from Texas to here and I was ready to preach that this morning, but as I was going over my notes, it's like Holy Spirit said, no, 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 and he took me back to a message that I just never thought of out of the hundreds of messages that I have. He took me to this one, and he said, this is it. Now, I really didn't want to preach this message. Pastor Tom had mentioned to me that they were going to graduate some men today, but A, I forgot, and B, I didn't realize the scope of what was going to take place until I got here. But once I got here, I realized that this message that I'm getting ready to deliver to you was fitting perfect hand in glove. Today's message is going to be speaking probably more about God than it is about us. Because as these men here today want to be understood, so does your father God want to be understood. So I'm excited about today as I conclude this conference with you. But it's bittersweet because though we leave you tomorrow, our heart will stay here with you in Zimbabwe because we have fallen in love with your pastor, with this church, with this nation. And please know that though we're not here, our heart will be here, our prayers will be with you. And uh, your pastor is a phenomenal man of God. I, each time he got up to speak, I just like, well, I was like, wow. The, the revelation he has, the insight, and the maturity that he has. He truly carries the mantle of a father. And I can see this apostolic man that is stepping into a that position of an apostle for this church, for this city, and for this nation. It's amazing how God is using and is going to use Pastor Duchel, Pastor Bonnie, to shift this nation because that's what we've been called to do. It's not only, not only to pastor our churches, but God is raising up men and women to truly take back the nations, to reach out and to see transformation. We need territorial transformation, amen? Amen. So we appreciate them, I appreciate you. As I said in the very beginning, there is so much that that, uh, could be said, and there's so much that should be said, but time won't permit. So just know that our hearts are with you, we love you, and it's been a privilege. God bless you. We understand that a child sees God's image in his or her father's face. When children look at their parents, they actually see God. It's not uncommon in my church for my little children, when they see me, they'll, they'll call me Pastor Jesus. Because children learn about God through their parents. That's why child abuse is such a damnable thing. Because when a person in authority abuses a child, 
they're actually violating the image of God. Our personal portraits of God actually reveal more about who we are than who he is. When you look at portraits of Jesus hung in our churches, I often ask the question, where did that come from? The images that we have of our Father God speak more about who we are. Because you have to understand that the portraits that we carry of our Heavenly Father are more from earth to heaven than it is from heaven back to earth. A family secret has to be revealed this morning. It's a secret that we've held for so long, but we need to come out with it and just be honest with each other. One of the traits that I have seen in your pastor that I appreciate is his transparency and the fact that he is honest. Even with this program for uh, Be the Man, to be that man that we all aspire to be. He's even honest in that. He is simply saying that I'm not there yet, but I'm on the journey. And that's so refreshing, isn't it, to have someone be honest and to say, I really don't have it all together. So there's a family secret that we need to reveal here this morning, and that is every father wounds and every son has been wounded. There is no one in this room that's not broken. Every father ends up wounding his son to one degree or another. And every son grows up to wound his son to one degree or another. Every mother and every daughter is the same. I know that because Romans chapter 3 verse 23 reads, for all have sinned and have fallen short. Is there anyone in this room that hasn't fallen short when it comes to being a, a man, a woman, a husband, a wife, a father, or a mother, a son, or a daughter. Is there anyone who has figured this out? Is there anyone here this morning? The real tragedy of the father wound is that our pain shapes the image of God. My pain, the way that I was hurt by my father, can shape the image that I have of my father God. Because if my earthly father is like that, surely my heavenly father is the same. Every father's concern is simply this. How has my life framed the portrait of my heavenly father? I worry with it. I carry that burden. Does my son, does my daughter see God the way they see me? In John chapter 14 and verse 8, Philip said to Jesus, show us the Father and that will be enough. People are longing to see their Heavenly Father. They're longing for that. They want to understand God. And listen to me this morning. Be assured of this. Your Heavenly Father wants to be understood. It's a damnable thing to misrepresent Him. In the Old Testament, He said, take not the, the name of thy, the Lord thy God in vain. He's simply saying, don't misrepresent me. He told the prophets, if you stand up and you speak for me and you're not speaking my truth, you're to be stoned. Don't misrepresent me. It's a dangerous thing to misrepresent God because God wants to be understood. And the portraits that we carry of him in our wallet, in our purse, in our minds, I'm not sure those portraits are accurate. 
Let's title this this morning, My Father's Portrait. Pray with me. Father, bless the reading of your word. Holy Spirit, anoint me this morning to communicate your heart, the Father's heart, to your people, to your children. And I ask you for revelation that we may truly see our Father as he truly is. Let us close out this conference with a powerful moment. I pray it in Christ's name and everybody said amen. Five portraits that I'd like to share with you this morning. Five portraits that I think are false. First portrait, that we have a God with no mouth. We understand that a man's identity, a woman's identity is shaped by his father's breath. That's why the father's blessing in the Old Testament was so important. Jacob blessed his sons. He helped them to understand who they were. The voice, the breath of a father is vital to a son or a daughter. So I ask the question, how deafening is the silence of a father's voice? When a father or a mother doesn't speak blessings to their children, how deafening is that to the children? So unsure of themselves, fathers struggle. Mothers struggle to find their voice. We all struggle with this. Mothers, fathers, we all struggle with finding our voice and releasing the blessing to our children. Let me tell you that we all need affirmation, but we all are insecure people and we all struggle with giving that affirmation. It's difficult for us at times to affirm people because of our own insecurity. People struggle in finding their voice and releasing blessings to other people. And these principles that I'm sharing not only apply to physical and natural fathers and mothers, but also to spiritual fathers and mothers. It's important that we release the blessing to our children. You see, we, we learn early in life that men and because of that, gods do not speak. My earthly father was a good man. He was a good man, and he loved me. But my natural father had never heard his father say, I love you. And so, as a result, I never heard my dad say, I love you, until I was about 14 years old. And he was, he was leaving the family for nine months to work on the Trans-Alaskan Pipeline and standing on the, on the tarmac uh, uh, of the airport, standing there, my father finally broke down and he grabbed me and he said, I love you. And for the first time at the age of 14, I heard my father say, I love you. Now listen, I, I don't judge my dad for that because he never heard his father say, I love you. So my dad was a victim. He was crippled. He was broken. And he carried that brokenness to me up into the age of 14 where he finally broke through and said, I love you. Uh, it totally destroyed me. I just stood there weeping as I, for the first time, heard my dad say, I love you. It was a struggle for him. But he finally broke through. But because of that, we develop that tendency to think my earthly father has no voice, so my heavenly father doesn't either. 
Job 11.5 said, Oh, how I wish that God would speak. As a pastor, how many times have I heard the men of my church say, God speaks to my wife, but God doesn't speak to me. When we do conferences for women and men, two different things. Now, I'm speaking from an American perspective, an American culture, and so this may not be true here. But in America, you have a conference for women from the very first song, boom, they're there. Banners and streamers and singing and dancing and running. Women, by nature, they're intuitive. By nature, they're sensitive, okay? But men, by nature, are very different. So with the women, from the very first song, man, they're gone, boom. God's moving, God's speaking, prophesying, tongues, interpretation, all kinds of things. They're just everywhere. The men, we got to warm them up. It takes a day, day and a half, but at some point, we're going to break through. But men, it can be hard. Two different people. But you have to understand, that's the way God made us. He made men strong, women sensitive. He made men to be more logical and women to be more intuitive. That's why two shall become one flesh. And when you've got the strength of a man and the sensitivity of a woman, poof. When you've got the logic of a man and the intuition of a woman, wow. But that's why we have balance in the church. If we just left it to the women all the time, it would just, you know, lots of woo 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 in the church. <laughs> Pastor, if you can clean this up after I leave, okay? But if you left it to the men, <laughs> it'd be weeks before anything ever happened. But when the two come together, but the problem is silence with the men creates a voiceless generation where the vocal gifts don't operate as frequently as we'd like to perhaps through the men. We struggle. We all struggle. Because we think, God never speaks to me. So this year, this decade, is the time of pay. We need to find our voice but we need to find our Father's voice too because he's a God we think that has no mouth. But guys, this, this, this portrait right here with no mouth, this is not my Father. This is, this is a lie the devil told us. And this portrait comes out of our brokenness. Second portrait. The second portrait that we carry is a God with no ears. The hardest thing about being homeless is that no one sees me, a homeless man once wrote. The hardest thing about being homeless is that no one sees me. And oftentimes, people in our churches feel that way. God doesn't see me. The unseen then becomes unnecessary. You see, in Texas especially, on the border states of Mexico, we have a lot of illegal immigrants 
the Hispanics that come up to work in Texas trying to find a better life for their families. But because they're illegal, they keep a low profile. They don't want to be noticed. They don't want to draw attention to themselves. They are the unseen among us. But I've started four Hispanic churches. And in dealing with them, I find a brokenness with them. That when I look at them and I say, you're the unseen, but we want you to know that you are necessary, that we appreciate you, and they begin to weep. People feel that way in our churches when they think that God has no eyes, that God doesn't see me. And so I'm unnecessary. Oh, God, God sees Pastor Tom. God sees the other associates. God sees the department heads and the leaders of our church. But God don't see me. There's people in the balcony on the floor. You really think that God doesn't see you because you grew up with a father or a mother. You grew up with leaders, people in your life that, that, that they just never noticed you. And so you develop this portrait, this image in your mind. If they are like that, then my Father in heaven is the same. A God with no eyes. You see, it's important that you're noticed. Because to notice me is to validate my, exist my existence and my place in life. Listen, that's why it's so dangerous to ignore Holy Spirit when he comes in our services. If you ignore him, when we ignore him, we fail to validate him. And to recognize his place in that service. But when we pause and say, Holy Spirit's here, then Holy Spirit steps up bold and big and loud. And he just begins to move. We have to be careful that we don't communicate to Holy Spirit that he's unnecessary. Pastor would agree with me. I've been preaching since I was 15. I've been doing church for a long time. I've pastored four churches. And we try and strive to do everything with excellence. But listen to me. We've learned how to do this. That I really don't need Holy Spirit anymore. Listen. Now wait a minute. Now I'm not, I'm not telling you I don't need him. I'm telling you we can do church without him. I, I can put a service together without Holy Spirit. Pretty good at it. I can preach messages without Holy Spirit. I, I, we can do church without Holy Spirit. We can. We've learned how to do it. But therein lies the danger. We have to stay at a place always where we say, please, as I said, I think yesterday, please don't make me go out there. I, I, I said it here, back in the green, what I call, we call the green room in America. But I said, back in the green room, don't make me go out there. They see me, they need to see you. Don't do it. They don't need a sermon, they need a message. They don't need to see me, they need to see you. But we can do all this without Holy Spirit. We have to be careful that we, we understand that Holy Spirit needs to be validated. We need to acknowledge his presence. Psalms 13. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me? How long will you hide your face from me? We so often feel like God has forgotten me. And tragedies at funerals, we always feel like God's forgotten us. When, when, when Jesus showed up at the, the funeral of Lazarus, the, the tomb, the two sisters said, where have you been? Where have you been? Had you been here, this wouldn't have happened. Somehow we always think that tragedy, tragedy means that God's not there. 
We, we miss it. We miss it. Death seems to unearth our image and our thoughts of God. When something happens, we start really coming out with what we think about God. God doesn't care. God's not there. Why did he let this happen? What's going on? Where's he at? If God really saw me, he wouldn't have allowed this to happen. A God with no eyes. You see, every boy wants his father to notice him. Now listen, mamas are real important. Mamas are real important. Little boy, little girl riding a bicycle, fall down, skin their knees, start crying. The world's coming to the end. They're going to die. It's horrible. Mama runs out there and pats them, dries their tears, and puts a little, you know, kneel sporting on their knee and pats them. Kissy, kissy. That's good. Got to have that. Amen? Got to have mama. Daddy walks up there and picks the boy up, especially the girl, brushes them off, and says, get back on the bike and try again. That's what daddies do. That's what we do. Balance. Strength and sensitivity. So there's a balance there, and we need that desperately. And so when mama says you did good, we appreciate that, okay? We really do. Mamas are important. And, 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 and United States, you know, football, the dad, I did it. You go to practice, you talk to him, you train him, you teach him, you work, you spend money, da-da-da, da-da-da. You're there, rain and sun and heat and cold. And, and the first time he gets on, uh, on the field and they, they shove a camera in his face, he doesn't say, hi, dad. He says, hi, mom. And the dads are going, where was she all this time? But when mom says, you did good, son. That's really warm and fuzzy, and it feels good. But when dad says, you did good, son, underneath the shirt, there's a big S. It's a Superman. It's like, mm, my dad, my dad said I did good. Little boys want to be noticed. So you have to understand this is vital. This is vital because the, the little boys and little girls want their dad to know who they are and, and, and what they have to give and their giftings and their skill. and That's why it's so important to say to children, you're really doing great at that. You're coloring. And boy, you're doing good. Man, you're phenomenal color. I color, you know, you're, you're, you're doing great. And they, they need to know that. And, and they need their dad and their mom to listen to them on what they need. Because a blind authority figure, a person with no eyes, creates the unnoticed and the unnecessary, and we think that God never sees me. This right here, a God with no eyes, this is not my father, and this is a lie from hell that your father doesn't see you. That's not him. My third portrait is a God with no ears. There is what's called the art of listening. Now there's a difference. To hear is the recognition of sound. To listen gives meaning to the sound. Okay? Example, husband watching sports. Wife says something. He hears the sound. <laughs> he knows it's there. She finally says, did you hear me? Uh, yes. What did I say? Could you say it again? <laughs> because there's a difference between hearing the noise and, and she, 
Okay, that didn't sound right. <laughs> There's a difference between hearing your wife. <laughs> Pastor Tom's going to clean all this up when I leave Zimbabwe. And then listening and giving meaning to the sound. You mind? <laughs> Listen, families are speaking. Let's just be honest. Men just don't understand the language. Women seek understanding, men offer advice. Daughters need intimacy, fathers give information. Sons need affirmation, fathers attempt improvement. It's so easy for me and my temperament to try to improve my son, to try to give helpful information to my daughter, to try to fix something that my wife is talking about. She wants to start venting and talking about things, and, and I'm all ramped up. I mean, I'm all flared up, and I, I, well, I'm going to fix this. And she don't want me to fix it. She just wants me to listen. My daughter called me from her work one day and told me something that one of the co-workers did. I said, I'll be right there. Hung up the phone. I was going down there as a pastor, and I was going to whip that boy <laughs> right there. And my daughter called on. She called me back and said, whoa, wait, 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 wait. Little confession is good for the soul. <laughs> the God with no ears. Fathers speak the language of the mailman in a house of women and children. And that's why so often the communication is all messed up. When you speak and I don't listen, I relegate you to the unimportant. Job 31 reads, oh, that I had someone to hear me. Let the Almighty answer me. Fathers who fail to listen raise sons who fail to talk. Because they learn their father doesn't speak. He doesn't listen. So we've got this deafness. A God with no ears? creates a generation who stops asking. We become prayerless. You know what the greatest sin is? It's not adultery. It's not stealing. It's not murder. It's unbelief. To stop believing God is who he says he is. To stop praying. You know what one of the greatest indicators of, of where we are in prayer, it's how little we pray. I, I mean, we don't really believe, or else we would, amen? And this is a prayer conference, and so pastor's been encouraging us to pray. And, and, and I love his transparency, that it ain't always easy, but you got to do it anyway. But the fact is, I think sometimes we fail to pray because we don't think God hears. And because he doesn't hear, he doesn't answer. Because my earthly father, my earthly mother, seemed to have no ears, and they never listen to me, so God never listens to me. This right here, a God with no ears, this right here, I've come here this morning to tell you that this is not your father because he said, take not the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Do not misrepresent me. And so often we have misrepresented him out of our brokenness. I, I'm not here to condemn or to, to anyone. I, I didn't hear my dad say he loved me until I was 14 and it wrecked me. 
my dad was broken. I, I, I never held that against my dad. I never did because I knew he loved me deeply. But he, on that, at that airport, he, his lip began to quiver. And, he, and I could tell he was struggling. And tears came in his eyes. And he grabbed me. And he said, I love you. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I never did hold that against my dad. It's out of brokenness. And we're broken people. And because we're broken people, we carry these portraits of our Heavenly Father. They're not true. And this is one of them. This is not my father. The fourth portrait is the angry God. Angry. Each year, 275 million children worldwide witness domestic violence in the home. Fathers. Fathers who abuse their sons grow up to abuse their sons and daughters. Mothers who abuse their daughters grow up to abuse their daughters. It's just a cycle. It's a vicious cycle. And these children of these angry men and these angry women, they're, they're fearful and they're anxious and they're, they have a low self-esteem and they're angry. And, and I've learned all of my life in counseling, I've learned that wherever, wherever I encounter anger, I always look for pain. Today, there is something that everyone in this room needs to get off their chest. There is something that you need to let go of. There is something, listen to me, here's a statement that I really want you to get a hold of. The past cannot be changed. It can only be forgiven. You've got to let it go. They hurt you. They violated you. And for that, my heart breaks. But for your sake, you've got to let it go. Because the anger you carry towards the past, you're transferring to your heavenly father. You're struggling with him because you struggled with them. And you've got to let that go. You see, people think that God is angry. Psalms 90 and 7, we are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. Listen, when you're afraid of your father, when you're afraid of your father, you have a tendency to go to your mama. But you know what we do in the church? When we get afraid of our heavenly father, we go to Jesus. Because somehow in our minds, we think Jesus is standing between us and our angry father. Jesus is holding him back. He's holding him back. But you've got to remember what the Bible says. It says in John 3.16, For God, my Father, so loved me that he gave me, he gave me his only begotten Son. Jesus is not holding back an angry God. He's trying to introduce me to a loving Father. We've got this thing all screwed up in our heads. We, we, listen, I understand the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I get that. But I'm talking about our false portrait of him as this angry God. Angry, angry, angry. My earthly father, my earthly mother, they were angry and they abused me. And so my father in heaven has got to be angry. I, when I deal with women especially that have been sexually abused, I find they struggle submitting to a masculine God. Because all the males in their life have abused them. So pff, he's going to do the same thing. I find that the symptoms of physical abuse are the same as the symptoms of spiritual abuse. 
when a pastor abuses somebody in his church, when he takes his authority and he misuses it, it has the same impact on them as if they were sexually or physically abused. And people struggle with that. And then suddenly they think God is angry because people learn about God through their authority figures, whether it's parents or pastors. That's why I said earlier, the little children in my, in my church, they, they, it's not uncommon. They'll go through the church directory, and, and the mom or dad will say, who's that? And they'll point to me, and they'll go, that's God. Because they come to church to learn about God, and they see me. Or they say, there's Pastor Jesus. Because that's all they know when they're little and they're innocent. That's why, as a pastor, look, when the temptations of life come, when the trials present themselves, when I'm tempted to give in or give up, one of the things, not the only thing, but, but, but one of the things that holds me is the children of my church. It's my grandchildren. It's my family, church and natural, that I can never let them down, that I can never do anything that would cause them to think ill of him to violate their image of their heavenly father. So I got to keep it straight, amen? You got to walk in righteousness. And I'm so glad that word's in the Bible, righteousness, not perfection for me. Listen, I can't be perfect, but I can do it right. I can walk in righteousness. I'm perfect in Christ, but I have to walk out my salvation with fear and trembling. And I'm doing it in a righteous way. That just means every day I'm trying to keep it right. God, that's angry. And some people grow up thinking, God is always angry at me. I grew up in a very legalistic culture. Old time Pentecost. There are certain friends I preached for, always had to wear a long sleeve shirt. Not just a shirt, I mean, a long sleeve shirt. Keep your hair cut short. Suzanne wore very little makeup, very little jewelry. You know, always a skirt, never a pant. Uh, just a lot of legalism, okay? And you understand that. Now, I'm not talking about uh, there, there's a balance that you have to maintain, amen? Listen, you need to put on some clothes sometimes, amen? <laughs> and you need to dress appropriately. And you need to represent the kingdom of God in your local church in a way that's appropriate, amen? So let's don't, don't go too far with it. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about balance and do things appropriately. You got to do things right. But I'm talking about legalism. Legalism. I grew up in old-time legalism. You know, I used to preach really hard. Susanna, tell you, when I was a young evangelist, listen, I'd preach hard. Whew. I'd bust it up. I'd bust it up. And Pentecostals, they, they, they came to church once a week to get their weekly spanking. I'm going to spank you. And, and they, didn't feel, they didn't feel good about themselves unless they got their weekly spanking. And I'd bust them up, and I'd let them know. And I, I'd just let them know, look, Jesus is coming back, and he's going to come at midnight. And you're probably not going to make it. <laughs> Two will be in the bed, one taken, one left. I used to preach it hard. So it's kind of like I'm going through. And God was angry. He was that old man up in the sky with a big stick, and he was waiting for me to make the slightest mistake. And then he's going to thump me on my head. But this angry God, this is not my father. And this is a lie from hell. Amen. My fifth and my last portrait is the absent God. 
Four out of ten children live in a home absent the father. Ninety percent of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. Eighty-five percent of all children will be will have behavioral disorders that come from a fatherless home. 85% of all youth sitting in prison grew up in a fatherless home. Fatherless. Men have to be careful. Like Elijah, when confronted with Jezebel, sometimes we, we, men can't deal with the pressures of the home. The emotion of the home, the women, the children, the pressure and the finances and the demands. And, and I'm here to tell you that I promise you every man in this room, starting with this one, feels like he doesn't measure up. That's why I love Be That Man. It gives me hope. It gives me hope. I, I can be that man. I'm not there yet, but I can be. I can. But like Elijah, facing Jezebel and all the stuff, when it gets too much, sometimes we run and we hide in the cave, we isolate ourselves, and we become cavemen. It's a dangerous thing to become a caveman. You get lost in your computer and the internet and the world and the darkness that's there. You know, when people get under pressure, they're going to medicate. They either do it through an addiction, uh, a chemical dependency, drugs, alcohol. They'll do it through food, comfort food. They'll do it through uh, spending money, buying things, or relationships, having affairs and fornicating. Or they'll, men will do it through pornography. Pornography has nothing to do with the wife. It has everything to do with them trying to medicate themselves. Because these things that we do releases endorphins in the brain that give us that sense of happiness. And that's what people are looking for, a brief moment of well-being. So we do it through food, money, sex, pornography, uh, relationships. We do it, you know, we're seeking an external stimulation to an internal problem. Are you with me? We become cavemen. And we isolate ourselves from our wives and our children. I can always tell when somebody in my church is getting in trouble because they will always isolate They'll start to drift away from responsibilities. They'll start moving back towards the back of the sanctuary, and then they're right out the door. They start to isolate themselves because they're in the cave. They're cavemen, and they're getting in trouble. But this comes from this absentee dad or or mother in the home. It's this absentee thing, and, and an absentee dad leaves me with a feeling of abandonment and a sense of insecurity. Psalms 88. Why do you reject me and hide your face from me? God, where are you? You left me. The storm hit my life. The doctor gave me a bad report. I lost my job. God, where are you at? You, uh, you abandoned me. And that comes out of the abandonment that we have in this broken world. It's a horrible thing to think that our God has abandoned us because he hasn't. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you, even to the end of your world. I'll be there with you. I'm right there with you. Most men, now this one here, I've been talking men and women, but this is for the men because of the way we're wired. But most men believe that God loves them, 
They're just not sure if God likes them. Just not sure he likes me. Does he really like me? I see him using my wife. The music starts and she runs up front. And she's woo and dancing and singing. And I can't do it like y'all do. I'm too white. But they, you know. She's talking in tongues. She's prophesying. And he's standing back there going, I wish I could. Feels like God abandoned him. My dad left me when I was a kid. God ain't going to be there. He'll never be there. And so it creates this insecurity and this distrust that God is never there for me. But this is not the portrait of my father. And I've come here today to tell you again, hell lied to you. Lied to you. The devil will tell you that God is not there. You can't count on him. You can't trust him. You can't trust him. You can't trust your pastor. You can't trust those leaders. You can't trust that church. You can't trust that church family. I'm telling you, when the, when the crunch comes, they're going to abandon you. That's a lie from hell. This portrait is not my Father in heaven. It's not. Misunderstood fathers. Misunderstood. Like little boys, grown men need to be understood. You ladies, I don't know, Pastor, you may remember the numbers. What is it? I don't know. Women have like 20,000 words a day. I don't know. Men have like half that. I don't know. Women just talk, 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 talk. They just love, it's, God created them that way. They're very vocal, very communicative. They, may, they communicate. I'm in trouble again. Hey, pastor's over going, I wouldn't say that. I. But can I help you understand the men? Just one example. Never measure the depth of our feelings by the length of our words. Don't do that. Let me tell you something. Men may not love as loud, but they love just as hard. We're so misunderstood. The male cries out, teach me who I am. So I can be happy with myself. That's what your pastor's doing with this men's program. He's trying to help men understand themselves. He's trying to help them so they go, wow, I'm not the only one that feels that way. I'm not the only one that struggles. I Listen, that's why transparency in the church is so vital. You know the devil wants to isolate us and keep us from being honest. And he picks us off one at a time. Pastor, Pastor Randy... The men, the leaders of the church, they never struggle with stuff. That's a lie. They struggle too. And it is our responsibility to let you know that. Tell me who I am so I can be happy with myself. Struggle. Mark 8. 
Even Jesus asked the question, who do people say that I am? Even God wants to be understood. Even God wants to be understood. And these five portraits are not him. The portrait of my father. Would you stand with me this morning? Bible talks about a generational curse to the third and the fourth generation. Some believe that a generation is 40 years. If that's true, then a generational curse is 160 years of failure. Exodus 34 said, visiting the iniquities of the fathers on the children unto the fourth generation. 160 years. This cycle of failure must stop here and now. Right now. These men crossed this red line, not because they were perfect, but because they said, I want to be that man. And so they're going to find, they're going to find the strength and the hope and the encouragement and the ability and the teaching in this church to become the sons of God. They're going to find it. But it stops here and it stops now. We're going to stop misrepresenting our Heavenly Father. He does have eyes and ears and a mouth. He does care. He's always here. He will not leave us. And let me give the world a revelation. My father is not angry. He hates sin every day. But my father's not angry. So it stops here. And it stops now. Say it with me. It stops here. It stops now. We've come to a point of decision. Do you know that whenever there's a, a breach between fathers and mothers and sons and daughters, Malachi said there's a curse on your land. But he said, the day's coming when I'm going to turn the hearts of the fathers. Look at it. I'm going to turn the hearts of the fathers. So that there won't be a curse. Won't be one. <laughs> turn the hearts. Turn the hearts. So this morning, there are people in this room that not only do you need to turn your heart back to your earthly father, but you need to turn your heart to your heavenly father. There are people in this room right now on the floor and in the balcony that you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ. You've never surrendered your life to Him. You've never partook of what we call salvation to save you from this world and all the brokenness. You've been reluctant to give your life to Him because of what earthly men and women did to you. Perhaps you were afraid of what God would do to you. He's angry 
I can never measure up to what he would demand of me. I can never live the life of a Christian. I see all these Christians, I can never live that way. If I give my life to God, he's going to take something away from me. Or if I give my life to him, he's going to leave me and abandon me just like others have. But that is a lie. Your heavenly father loves you. He'll always be there. I'm not telling you you're not going to have storms. I promise you, you are. But I promise you, he'll go through it with you. You're not, you're not always going to understand, but I promise you, he'll always be there to comfort you. He has eyes to see you, ears to hear you, a voice to talk tender to you. He has arms to reach out and pull you in close and never abandon you. And he has a smile on his face. And he will not, he is not an angry God. If you've never given... Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.